when uh, you just sensed a move of the Holy Spirit and people's lives were changed in a moment of time, when uh, tears came to your eyes and you and uh, I, I don't know about you, but I had one of those times one time when when I was crying and I was laughing and uh, I didn't know what to do. I was my cup was running over. It was one of those times when you were crying and laughing both at the same time. I know women know what I'm talking about because they do that all the time, you know. But it was a new experience for me. Hallelujah. I want to tell you, uh, there's been many labor-saving devices and there's uh, been a lot of change in lifestyles. And uh, I just don't, hardly believe that new necessarily means better. No one really wants to return to the good old days. Uh, how, how do they say it on television? Uh, they walked uh, 25 miles to school through howling winds and snow, and uh, it was cold, and, and uh, they uh, sat around the house and they didn't have television sets. They just watched the plants grow. I don't think we want to return to anything like that. Uh, would be nice to buy a nickel Coke. Uh, nobody here remembers the nickel Coke? George, I know you remember the nickel Coke. Twelve ounces. And I, I remember uh, milk was 14 cents a quart. Yeah. Gasoline was 14 cents a gallon, too. I can remember that. How many of you remember when it was 27 cents a gallon? That wasn't that long ago. And I thought I was really getting a deal yesterday. I found a place that was selling gas for a dollar seven cents a gallon. <laughs> Why didn't you call your congregation? Because it was in it was in Amsterdam. I didn't think too many of you would come. <laughs> Hallelujah. But just because it's it's new doesn't necessarily mean it's better. I don't think there's anything that can replace a genuine move of the Holy Ghost, do you? Hallelujah. Give me that old-time religion. Back when, when they didn't care how late it was, sometimes they, they, they watched the sunrise. You know, talking about old-time religion, where, where's Julie tonight? Well, I'm telling you, we, I missed Bert today, too. Amen. Charlie must have overworked him. What'd you do, overwork Bert? Ah, overworked him. Hallelujah. All right, let's open our Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 6. Jeremiah chapter 6 and verse 16.
Thus says, thus says the Lord. <laughs> do, you, do you remember Sonny Prasad when he used to, was on the radio? That's the way he'd say it. Thus says the Lord. Well, thus says the Lord. Stand in the ways and see and ask for the old paths where the old way is and walk in it. When you will find, then you will find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk in it. I'd like to read that from the Living Bible. Many times I go to the Living Bible because that's a paraphrase, and it gives you more or less the sense of what's being said there rather than word-for-word translation. And this is the way the Living Bible puts it. Yet the Lord pleads with you still. Ask where the good road is, the godly paths you used to walk in, in the days of long ago. Travel there, and you will find rest for your souls. But you replied, No, that is not the road I want. Let's pray. Hallelujah. 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 Father, you said ask for the old roads. Ask for the old paths. Father, tonight we're asking we're asking you to show us some of the old roads that we used to travel. Father, I believe that we need to get back to basics. We need to get back to total surrender and holiness. We need to sense the moving of your spirit once again. Lord, we're looking to you, the author and the finisher of our faith. We're looking to you to reach out and touch our hearts afresh and anew and kindle the flames upon the altar of our hearts. God, we need a fresh touch here tonight. We want that excitement that is so prevalent in the newly saved We want that freshness to our walk. We want you to be glorified in our lives. We want to hear from heaven tonight. Lord, there were times when men used to get down on their knees and they would wait upon the Lord. They'd pray through. Lord, We need to get back to some of the old paths, some of the old roads. And Lord, we're looking to you to guide us and direct us tonight. We ask for your anointing upon the word and upon this pastor as he brings forth this word. In Jesus' name, amen. Yet the Lord pleads with you still. 
Sounds to me like he's been pleading with them for a long time. But he's still pleading with them because he wants them to get back to that old path. He wants to get them back to where they were excited and where they were filled with the Holy Ghost and where they were on fire for God. Yet the Lord pleads with you still, ask where the good road is. So tonight, let's ask for those good roads. How about the good road of pardon? John 14 and verse 6. John 14 and verse 6. Jesus said to him, I am the truth and the life. No man cometh unto the Father except by me or through me. There's a right way, and there's a wrong way. In the military, they used to say there's, there's a right way, a wrong way, and the military way. But there's actually only two ways. There's God's way, and there's man's way. There's a right way, and there's a wrong way. And we need to get back to the right way. Proverbs 14:12 says, "There is a way that seemeth right to a man, but the end is the way of death." And I think it's true when it comes to worship. I think it's true when it comes to living for the Lord Jesus Christ. I think that there is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof is the way of death. There is a way, and Jesus Christ is that way. There is no other way. You must be found in the Lord Jesus Christ. You must be filled with the Holy Ghost and fire. You must be found abiding in the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the way. No man cometh unto the Father except by me, he said. And Jesus is the only pardon. He's the only salvation. And we need to realize that. Ask for the good roads. The good road of peace. Isaiah 26.3 says, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusted in you. You know, I find that there's a lot of troubled Christians today. Troubled about many things. But Jesus promised, God has promised us, that mind which is stayed upon him is that perfect peace. Amen? The problem is we get our minds on everything else. We need to get back to where Jesus Christ 
has the center of our attention. Where He is our all in all. We're no longer looking at other people and how they're living. We're looking to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Our mind is stayed upon Jesus Christ. It's not on big numbers and on big churches, but it's on Jesus Christ and Him only. That mind that is stayed upon Jesus is that perfect peace. Hallelujah. Jesus said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled. Did you hear what it said? Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. Perfect peace. I was telling my son Charles, I told him, when you go out looking for an automobile, if you don't have peace about it, don't buy it. When I went down to see him, he said, Dad, I found an automobile. He said, I had perfect peace about it. And he did. He got a good deal. Nice looking automobile for the price. He said, I prayed first and let the Lord lead me. He said, the Lord led, the first place I went to, I found this car. Then the Lord let me look at other cars just to show me that this was really the one I wanted. I believe that we ought to be able to call upon Jesus Christ to lead us and to guide us in every area of our life. And if you don't have peace, then don't do it. I'll never forget, uh, we were out looking for houses. And I wanted a four-bedroom house. And I wanted it at a certain price. My problem was, I didn't say I wanted it in a certain area and uh, some of these other things that are more important. Well, we put a thousand dollars down on the house. But if I had listened to God, I my heart was in a turmoil. I might better have allowed them to keep the thousand dollars and forgot about the house. That house become a yoke around my neck. And I had no peace at all until I got rid of that house. Another time I walked in and I saw this mercury setting there. And I thought, well, I'll buy this for my son. Nice looking car. But I went home that night. I was supposed to go pick it up the next day. I might better have stayed away. Because all night long I had no peace about buying that automobile. And my son Charles will tell you, we bought it. But, oh, I might better have paid them to take it back 
Follow after peace. We need to learn that lesson, don't we? Follow after peace. Philippians 4. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6. You'll turn there with me, please. Philippians 4 and verse 6. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. Don't be troubled about anything. Don't get over worried about things. Don't be anxious. But in prayer and supplications, let your requests be known to God. And then look at verse 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. What is peace worth to you? You can't buy peace of mind. We need to get back to where we have peace in our lives. How can you witness to someone else about the love of Jesus Christ and about the keeping power of Jesus Christ and the power of Christ in your life if you have no peace? Amen? So we need to get back to those roads of peace. As for the good roads, how about the road of pleasure? Psalm 16 and verse 11. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. I think that Christianity is the best way to live, even if there was no heaven. You know that? I don't want to live any other way. There is pleasure in being a Christian. I just think some of the greatest times I've had in my life is when a bunch of Christians get together for fellowship. Amen? I enjoy fellowship with my fellow Christians. I really do. God doesn't want us to go around unhappy. There's a song that says, I've got the joy unspeakable and full of glory. Full of glory. Full of glory. I got the joy unspeakable and Full of glory, full of glory, full of glory. I got the joy unspeakable and full of glory, and the half has never yet been told. Do you have that joy? Glory to God. I, I just am so excited about the things of the Lord. And uh, we need to get back to the place where we're 
we're just bubbling over with excitement. And just being with my son this weekend and being able to say, what are you, what are you reading about? What, what are you doing uh, in your Christian faith? Uh, uh, it uplifts me. It really does just to, to share with someone else about what God is doing in their life. Uh, it's so, so good when Daryl comes over and, and we get to talking about the Lord over at my house there. Or he's pecking on my wife or something, you know. You guys haven't got to know him too well yet. He's a terrible pick. Terrible. <clears throat> Hallelujah. I had him said to pray, have, had him said to say a prayer for, for, for the meal today. I told him, don't get all upset about it. I haven't asked you to pray yet in church. You know. Hallelujah. And then I see here in our text tonight, not only the path, but the past. The godly paths you used to walk, not the ones you're walking now, but the ones you used to walk in, in the days of long ago. Godly paths of separation. Leviticus 19.2 speaks, to all the con- speak to all the congregation of the children of Israel and say to them, You shall be holy, for the Lord your God is holy. Hebrews 12.14 Pursue peace with all men. And this here is important. And holiness. You know, we, we, we sometimes forget part of those verses. And holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. How many, being honest now, how many of you believe that the church has lost something when it comes to holiness? I don't know whether we as the clergy are responsible for the way the churches act today, or whether it's just been a general transition from allowing the world to creep in. But somewhere, you know, we, we've kind of put down some of our Catholic brethren at times because they're in Catholicism and they're in things that we don't believe. But you know, there is one thing that I commend them for. And they have reverence. You see them come into the into their churches, and I don't suggest you begin to Jenny flex next to your pew before you get in. But somewhere they had an awe of the, of God. Where did they get that from? And yet we who are close to God in the Pentecostal circles seems to have lost some of that awe for God. 
We think nothing of talking or writing or or uh, uh, doing something else during a service when we ought to be listening to the Word of God. Somewhere we've we've gotten away from holiness. I know you can't legislate holiness. I know that a pastor can't demand holiness. I've tried it. <laughs> it doesn't work. But holiness is something that people have towards God. It's something that God does in people. It's not the outward wearing of apparel, but it's the inward beauty of the heart. And somewhere, I believe we strayed off that path, and I believe we need to get back to holiness. We need to have that awe for God. Come out from amongst them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. 2 Corinthians 6.17 Be separate. Is there a part in our lives where we've allowed the world to become a part of us until there isn't that separation anymore? Is that what, what has happened to holiness? See, I, I believe God is looking for holiness. He demands holiness. I think we need to also ask for the Godly paths of surrender. You know, last week I was talking to you about Caleb, and I mentioned to you that four different times, four or five different times there, that God pointed out that he was going to inherit the land because he had a different spirit and he was, he he had followed the Lord wholly, completely. I think that that's a new concept to some of us, too. That total surrender to the will of God. No matter what God wants in my life, I'm willing to, to lay it all on the line. That's what God wants of us. Total surrender. You remember Jacob, he was, his name meant supplanter, and he was always one that was trying to do it under his own power, until he came to the Jabbok, and there he wrestled all night with 
the angel of the Lord. And the next morning, he said, I will not let you go until you bless me. And his hip was thrown out of joint. The sinew in his hip was was uh, damaged, and he limped up on his on his leg. One day, a doctor was asked, "Why the hip? Of all the places, why did?" God touched Jacob in his hip. And the doctor said, because that is where the sinew is the toughest. A horse can hardly be expected to pull that sinew apart. God has to touch us where we are strongest, that we might totally surrender to him. Where we're strongest is where God has to make us weak. Paul said, in my weakness, that's where God finds strength. Amen? Why is that lesson so hard for us to learn? God has to bring us to total surrender, and if there's a part of our lives that is not surrendered, then God has to continually work on that point until He finds surrender there. Hallelujah. As for the old paths, the old roads, how about the godly path of sacrifice? You know, I remember my mother, there was ten of us children, My dad was a dirt farmer, kind of farmed on shares. They'd give him a share of the crop for and a tenant house to live in to work the farm. With ten kids, even in the prices that there were in his days, there was a lot of sacrifices that had to be made. Some of us are here today because our folks made some huge sacrifices. And I wonder... Do our children know what the word sacrifice means today? When God asks us to, to sacrifice, 
Do we really understand what sacrifice is all about? We have everything handed to us on a silver platter, so to speak. We've lost that concept of what it means to give up anything. You know, the word sacrifice itself, by implication, means it's something that you need that you're giving up. Jesus Christ gave everything for us. And I hope that we understand that. He made the ultimate sacrifice. He has come that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly. He laid down his life that we might have life. He gave up his. He shed his very blood for us. And most of us don't want to walk across the street to do something for God. I'm serious. We've got to get back to the point where we realize that Jesus Christ has given everything for us and we are to go out there and sacrifice our lives for Him. He gave His life so He is to live His life through us now. He who will keep His life shall lose it, but he who will give his, uh, up His life shall keep it unto life eternal. What does that mean? If it doesn't mean giving up this worldly existence we have now, letting God live his life through us now. I think we need to learn again the lesson of what sacrifice is really all about. And then... Our scripture has a promise. He says here, travel there on these, this old road, travel there and you will find rest for your soul. Hallelujah. Rest for the soul. Rest for the weary soul. Matthew 11:28 says, "Come to me all ye who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest." No more struggle. No more trying to get on top of the heap. You know, I guess it's taught to us in our school. It's taught to us by by sports events. You gotta be number one. You gotta be on top of the heap. You've gotta struggle to get to the top. You've got it within you. Do it! You've got to be a, a wonder. 
But Jesus says, all you got to do is be yourself for me. All you got to do is allow me to live my life through you. And success is not in megabucks. <laughs> success is in doing the will of God. And you can find rest for your soul. Rest for the sin-sick soul. Ezekiel 18.20 says, That soul which sins shall die. Romans 3.23 says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All sin separates us from God. So what is the sin, sinner to do? What is the person who finds sin in his life to do? Well, I'm thankful for Romans 6.23 that says, The wages of sin are death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's a gift. I no longer have to struggle to be good enough for God. All i got to do is allow God to live through me. For this life, the eternal life is given to us by grace. You can't earn it. You can't buy it. You can't be good enough, but it's a gift. Hallelujah. Then I, I want to show you the problem that is facing society. The problem is this. God says, stand in the way and see and ask for the old paths where the good way is and walk in it. Then you will find rest for your soul. But they said, Here, here's the problem, we will not walk in it. You know, God has done everything he can possibly do. And the decision's really up to us. And the, the whole thing is, Christ has been rejected, and he's the way. Acts 14 and verse 12, and it's a good verse that you might Underlining your Bible or something because it's one that you can share with someone you're trying to lead to the Lord. Acts 4 and verse 12. It says there's salvation in, uh, there's, nor is there salvation in any other, 
for there is no other name under heaven given amongst men by which we must be saved. He's the way. He's the truth. He's the life. There is no other. Isn't it amazing how we're always trying to change what God has done? We want to find some other way. And the way is made so simple that the wayfaring man will not even err in it, the Bible tells us. John 3.16 says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. He did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. And those that uh, accept him are not condemned. But those that don't accept him are condemned already because they have not accepted the only begotten Son of God. There is no other way except through Jesus Christ. And we reject the way, we, we reject the truth. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. It's not what church you belong to. It's whether or not for Jesus you stand. If today your heart is as my heart, then you're my brother, so give me your hand. Amen? Hallelujah. Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. That's what he told us in John 8, 32. Jesus is the truth. He is the way. He is the life. And we've got to learn to abide in him and let him abide in us. Amen? Last of all, men reject Christ the life. John eleven twenty five. We'll close with these verses. John eleven twenty five. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may be though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? You see, there's a difference between believing and acting upon it. Man has always sought to go his own way. Some use good works and they try to get to heaven by good works. You know, I know a lot of good people that are going to go to hell. Good people. Good people. 
morally sound. But they don't have Jesus. And I know some people that are religious people. Go to church every time the doors is open. But a church can't save you. The truth is, you must be born again. Now, I don't know who's going to be listening to this tape. It gets circulated around. But you know, people can get saved by listening to a tape or a television show. or They can get saved by a witness out on a corner somewhere. If you'll just come to God through Jesus Christ, because that's the way. He said, though you die, you shall have eternal life. And we are here, that are here tonight need to learn that message, not only for ourselves, but to share it. 